Hey everybody, it's Allie, and welcome to our YNR chat for Sunday, April 27th, 2014. It has been a busy week in our fair Genoa City. Did you guys catch the long shot, the wide shot of Genoa City at the very beginning? I want to say it was Thursday's show. It all started out with this scene of downtown Genoa City. It was like, it looked like SimCity, kind of. Like, it was clearly kind of a digital creation of what Genoa City would look like, which I thought was really cool. I like that, you know, one of the new facets of YNR as of the last year or so is that they're trying to give us a sense of where we are, and I loved it. I thought it was great. It was this shot of downtown Genoa City. It had um, the Genoa City Trust and Savings <laughs> building, and then there was this huge skyscraper with the Jabot logo on it. I don't know why, but I never pictured, I don't know, it's ridiculous considering how long I've watched the show and how I know that they're high up in the sky. I mean, Jack threw a chair out of that window right there <laughs> one time a long time ago. But for some reason, I was just like, whoa, that's Jabot? I mean, and where was Newman Enterprises? <laughs> I imagine it should have been right next door to Jabot and the two buildings should be competing for who could be the tallest. <laughs> Maybe I missed Newman Enterprises, but I didn't see it. Did you guys see the NE logo on any of those buildings? <laughs> I don't know. But I thought that was kind of a cool uh, cool thing, and I thought that'd be a good way to start out our chat today. Now, jumping over, <laughs> um, Ashley makes her special visit <laughs> to Genoa City for um, Abby and Tyler's engagement party, but she really didn't stay very long. I had to laugh because Gary left a voicemail for me this week and pointed out, uh, Ashley, love ya, but you kind of left your own daughter's engagement party to go looking for Stitch. <laughs> it was very clear that Ashley had an agenda, and that agenda included a hunky doctor, apparently which she can't find in New York, as if there aren't plenty of eligible guys who wouldn't love to be dating Ashley Abbott in New York? <laughs> I don't know. She wanted to maybe catch herself a hometown hero or something, but she had this beefcake on her mind. Probably the only reason she came back for the engagement party anyway. She was like, forget it. This engagement party's boring. I want to go get me some stitch. <laughs> so... Ashley goes to the hospital and she finds Stitch and he's very happy to see her and she's very happy to see him and she finds a way of asking if maybe he'd like to go out. In fact, I think she was kind of presumptuous about it. She was sort of like, well, when you get off here, why don't we, why don't I go take it for a little spin? <laughs> <laughs> and he had to break the news to her that he already had a date tonight, to which I'm sure Ashley was a little bit disappointed for sure and thinking, oh, well, whoever it is, I can certainly compete with it. But then Victoria shows up and it's revealed that Victoria kind of got to this guy first. And it was so awkward. Um, it was it was clear that Stitch felt a little weird about it. I think both he and Victoria already have a sense of guilt over starting this relationship. Stitch ended up kind of scooting off the scene and Victoria and Ashley have this moment alone together where it was it was a little bit catty. I mean, Ashley was really judgmental toward Victoria and Victoria was 
indignant in return. I'm not going to take any crap. Um, but it, it certainly did cause some stress on uh, that relationship. I mean, I think Victoria and Ashley have always gotten along pretty well, but it was definitely Ashley giving her um, not seal of approval. <laughs> uh, but Victoria really is, she's like, hey, you know, your, your brothers screwed me over. I'm ready to move on. It's not like Victoria doesn't love Billy, but she's trying to move on and see what other fish there might be in the sea. So she and Stitch go on to have... A date. It's not quite the date that they thought they were going to have. Um, he wanted to take her out to a beautiful night on the town, but he got stuck at the hospital. And so she just ended up staying with him there. And they had a hospital date. And it was very cute, but I think maybe getting a taste of what life with Stitch might be like jarred Victoria back into reality because I'm sure she can't help to compare it, help but compare it to what life with Billy is like. And now she's realizing that she's found herself in another relationship and maybe she's not ready for this. And she does tell Stitch it's moving a little fast. And I agree. I think it is indeed moving a little fast. Um, they, I think, kind of try to bring things back to more of a just friends level. Um, <laughs> they go to the park, and they are very cute together. They're sitting there on the bench, um, listening to music and chowing down on some gross, greasy ugh, street hot dogs. No, thank you. And I think having a, a sort of a sense of we need to back it off and just see if we, you know, how much we like spending time together minus the sexual element and no sooner than I think that reasonability was coming to the surface but Victoria runs off and throws up in the bushes she has to like run away and puke and uh, Victoria Stitch is like I'm sure ready to take care of her immediately thinking she has the flu or she has food poisoning or something else is going on but I mean I think we all know what it is <laughs> we know that we're watching a soap opera here there's only one possible explanation for why Victoria would be throwing up she's pregnant Shocker of the week. Billy goes to see Chelsea. He wants to get a look at Connor. It is his last touchstone to his daughter. So he begs Chelsea to let him into the condo. She really doesn't want to, but she reluctantly opens the door, lets Billy in. I mean, I don't blame Chelsea. Everybody in the world wants to come by and see this baby for their own selfish reasons. And here she's just trying to raise her son with on her own as a single mother. So I don't blame her not wanting to readily open up the door when Billy and Chloe or Victor or anybody else comes by and decides they want to wake the kid up in the middle of the night. So I, I, again, I'm empathizing with Chelsea more than I think I ever have. But it's also becoming clear that both Billy and Chelsea are kind of lonely. So it was about Billy wanting to see Connor, but Billy, I think, is wanting to have a friend right now, and he has been leaning on Chelsea a little bit more here and there. Um, they end up 
having a drink. <laughs> I think she's taking pity on him. I don't think she necessarily wants to have anything to do with him. I think she's taking pity on him. So she invites him to stay for a drink, maybe have a pizza and a movie. And as they're watching the movie, Billy leans in and kisses her. I was so shocked. I, I don't know why. I, I have kind of thought for the last couple of weeks, yes, I know Billy and Chelsea are going to get closer and closer, but just the way he sort of just lunged on her and moved in for that kiss, it was shocking to me. Chelsea was like so offended that she smacks him just right in the face. I honestly don't blame her. The kiss came out of nowhere. Just because the woman is taking a little pity on you doesn't mean that she's going to succumb immediately to your sexual advances, Billy. It was cute, but shoot, I was not expecting it. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Billy and Chelsea? Are you feeling that at all? Let me know. Um, Gosh, their little romantic, uh, well, in Billy's mind, and I think awkward moment in Chelsea's mind, got interrupted by the fact that Connor started getting sick. Um, he's coughing, and uh, Chelsea, like, I don't know, she becomes concerned that maybe Connor might have swallowed a button on her shirt. She notices the button is missing. So, both Chelsea and Billy rush Connor to the hospital where Victoria and Stitch are on their hospital date. So they both rush out and I think Stitch whisks away Connor to go help him out and probably Chelsea goes with him. There's this brief moment in the hall where Billy and Victoria come face to face. He realizes she's here for Stitch. She realizes he's here with Chelsea and Victoria a little bit jealous. I loved that. That was the moment for me. I liked that even though I'm not necessarily rooting for Billy and Chelsea to get together, I liked Victoria getting a little bit paranoid because it also forces her to show her cards. She really is acting like she doesn't want Billy, but at the same time, it, that reaction, seeing him with Chelsea, makes her realize why, you know, why is he with her? And maybe she, you know, does want her husband back. So I kind of like Victoria not having the upper hand all the time. I like that it, that, that little relationship that maybe is developing between uh, Billy and Chelsea kind of forced Victoria into a slightly more vulnerable position. I thought it was good. Um, so the, I guess the whatever, the crisis is averted. Chelsea's able to take, big, big surprise, Chelsea's able to take Connor home and she's with him trying to help him out. Billy shows back up at the apartment. Um, <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud, I think Chelsea was really nervous to let him in. I mean, it's like, you can only like come through this doorway if you promise that you will keep your lips to yourself this time. <laughs> which I'm sure Billy's not used to. I think Billy's used to being that playboy and kind of having everybody want him. So here Chelsea is saying, look, you can come in as a friend, but keep your lips away from me. And Connor is still kind of going through this cough. I guess it was the croup uh, or something. I'm not that familiar with what it is, but uh, Billy has been through this. He has three other kids with Victoria, and so... He knows that there are some things you can do at home to help it out. So Billy and Chelsea end up kind of 
barricading themselves in in Chelsea's bathroom, which, by the way, is a new set that we've never seen before. I mean, last week, was it last week or the week before, Sharon got her brand new bathroom set, and now here we are, Chelsea getting her new brand, brand new bathroom set. I think YNR must have gotten a, a, a bathroom budget. <laughs> I don't know who's signing away the, the checks over there, but they're like, yeah, we'll give you X amount of money for your bathrooms <laughs> right now. But it was kind of cool uh, seeing the new set. Um, they are in there running the shower to keep the steam going to kind of clear Connor's breathing passage. And it's just them in there together, hot and sweaty. Chelsea is getting, it's so humid, like it's a steam room in the bathroom. It's so humid. She takes off her sweater. Oh, just peels that hot sweater right off. And starts, I think, taking it to, like, pat her perspiring breasts. Oh, oh, I'm just so, oh, it's so hot and steamy in here. And Billy's totally noticing. He's totally checking her boobs out. <laughs> I mean, Lord, it's probably been a couple weeks since he's had sex. Surely it's time. I'm sure he's about ready to bust at the seams, literally. Um, <laughs> so here's what I think. I kind of I feel still like ultimately Billy and Victoria will get back together. I don't know why, but I think that as far as Chelsea goes, Billy and Chelsea are going to start getting close, maybe just as Adam comes back into town, maybe just as Weiner recasts that role. So I can almost see Billy and Chelsea sort of forming a bond with Connor and becoming maybe almost a, a tight little unit when Adam shows back on the scene. And I think, too, that as soon as Adam does get back in town, I think that it's going to become revealed that uh, despite kind of what everybody else thinks happened to Adam, I think Billy shot him. Well, it is Easter week, and this is Billy and Chloe's first Easter without their daughter, and it is very difficult for them. I'm sure that that's why Billy was feeling extra vulnerable, and Chloe too. They both had gone to the cemetery and laid down flowers for Delia, and it's it's definitely not easy, and I do still appreciate that YNR is bringing that back into the fold. I don't you know, you don't kill a child and then forget about it. I need them to at least remind us and have moments of remembering Delia and the special little girl that she was. Um, you know, Kevin is so incredibly supportive of Chloe, and I do appreciate that, and I don't think that should go unnoticed. But at the same time, I kind of am tired of him making excuses for her. I know he loves her, and I appreciate that, but I think partly him coddling her so much is what led to the fact that she just keeps getting more and more outrageous and continuing to get away with it. And I was kind of appalled this week that Kevin went to Chloe's a, a condo and he was at first kind of doing it under the guise of trying to smooth the waters. He asks Chelsea, you know, did you really mean the whole forgiveness of Chloe thing from last week after the fashion show? As if Chelsea's intentions are the ones that are in question here. 
It's not a question of whether Chelsea is being honest and forthright. It's a question of whether Chloe is being honest and forthright and not insane. I mean, the, Chelsea's not the one that caused the rift between between the two business partners and friends. That was all Chloe. And I again, I realize everything that she's been through, but it just was annoying to me that Kevin almost had this presumption of like, are you going to hurt Chloe again? Again, don't because don't lead her on if you're just gonna hurt her again and I, that bothered me and, and not only that it really bothered me even more that Kevin had the nerve after kind of like patting it after kind of cushioning the the what what he was about to lay down he actually had the nerve to ask Chelsea if she would consider letting Chloe see Connor again hell no hell no I would never let Chloe see Connor again. I mean, it's it was not healthy with her. it was not healthy the transference that was taking place before Chloe even kidnapped Connor. The fixation that she was having, even just like assuming on any level that Connor is Delia is unhealthy and not helpful for her. Have we learned nothing? Why, Kevin, would you continue to try to ask or facilitate, ask Chelsea to facilitate a relationship between Connor and Chloe when you know that that is an unhealthy bond? So I was irritated by that. (sighs) He is just such a... Ugh, he's such a puppy. He's Chloe's lap dog. I used to like Kevin. Kevin used to be, like, um, fierce, all on his own, and funky, and he was a geek hacker, and just like, yeah, with Jana, he was like, rock and roll kind of bad, I'm a pyro. And now, he is such a wimp. <laughs> I'm sorry, she, Chloe just, uh changed him. But, I don't know, maybe we're back on the road to recovery uh, for Kevin, especially now that Chloe, Elizabeth Heinrich, as we know, is going to be exiting the scene. But Kevin goes back uh, and finds Chloe at the coffee house and tries to talk to her a little bit, um, seems to want to let Chloe know that he loves her and he wants to take care of her and he's committed to this arrangement that they have, this marriage arrangement that they have to keep her crazy butt out of the mental institution. But at the same time, it did seem like Kevin had a little bit more resolution in his eyes and his voice um, that, you know, he doesn't want to pressure her for a relationship that she's clearly not ready for, not really wanting, not even ever potentially. Um, And I think he's starting to just come to the realization that Chloe does not love him the way that he loves her, and he kind of tells her that and just simply walks away. At Abby and Tyler's engagement party, Victor is inside having kind of a private conversation with Sharon, giving her pretty much a guilt trip, saying he will tolerate her, but I don't forgive you. Uh, make no mistake, I don't forgive you. I mean, it's ironic, given what we know is going to happen afterwards, that, Vic- that Victor would get up on his high horse and try to act like Sharon is the low one, uh, that Sharon did something so horrible to him when we know what's about to come. I mean, Nick is outside catching Cassie 
looking through the windows. So uh, this is going to be Nick's moment of coming to the realization of, oh my gosh, I mean, uh, the layers of, oh my gosh, this person looks like my daughter. Oh my gosh, there's no way this is a coincidence. Now, before, but before I, I get into all of that, I have to sidetrack because I think this is a really interesting note. Anna called into my voicemail this week and made a point that kind of I was thinking of a little bit in my mind, um, but I didn't hadn't fully fleshed it out. But Anna had said, wait a minute, why was Cassie looking through the windows at that engagement party? What reason would she have for that? Um, I don't think she's so concerned with what's going on with Sharon that she would go out of her way to peek in the windows. So the question is, why was Cassie there? And Anna made just such a good point. Could Cassie be Mariah? I mean, there was that question last week where Tyler had asked to meet with Mariah uh, right before the engagement party, and we don't know how that turned out or whatever, but I tell you, I kind of am thinking so. I think Cassie is Mariah, and Tyler has had some kind of past involvement with her. So that's going to give her her reason to stay around after this whole Nick and Sharon thing falls out. I mean, plus, technically, what are Cassie and Abby? What What's their relationship? It's so incestuous these days. Like, I don't, can't even, I don't even know how everybody's related, but that could create kind of an interesting triangle there. I'm totally seeing Cassie in a new way. I think it's hard to not look at her and see that adorable little redheaded Annie, but I'm looking at her now, and I am seeing her as a strong strong, independent, unique actress like this this character has her own set of personality, you know, quirks and I like her. I'm taking her real serious now this time around and I want her to stay around and I'm really glad, you know. Shoot, I with all of the ghost Cassie thing that we got sidetracked with, it got a little annoying and I didn't get to enjoy the fact that yay, we get Cameron Grimes back. And now I am. I'm fully there. Now that the secret is kind of coming out, I'm I'm fully there with Cameron Grimes. Now, okay, so Nick is catching Cassie looking through the window at Tyler and Abby's engagement party, and he is stunned. I mean, he's looking into this woman's face that looks exactly like his daughter would have looked. And she's got a distinct face. Like, he probably can't even move. I mean, he calls out to her and she runs away. But I know he's thinking, this is not a ghost. This is actually happening. He follows her to her hotel room where she is ready to get the hell out of Dodge. She's like throwing her stuff in bags and getting ready to run out. She opens up the door and Nick is there. He had followed her and they come face to face for the first time on screen. And I tell you, I am so enjoying seeing those two back together again because let's not forget the really special relationship that Nick had with Cassie. We've really been focusing on Sharon and what she's been been going through, but I liked the relationship that Nick had with his daughter, and it's just really good to see those two actors back together. I'm enjoying it. I loved it so much. Um, he pretty much, Nick charges Cassie, like pretty much grabs her, grabs her bag, opens it up, and flips through it and sees all of these pictures of his daughter. Why would this woman have all of these pictures? She tries to scramble her way out of it, tries to deny it, but she clearly wants to crack 
back anyway. Um, she's been feeling on the outs with Victor, and he's been kind of threatening, and uh, she... Uh, had let something out like, I can't tell you what this is all about because he would kill me. Uh, I don't know if she has a physical fear of Victor, thinking that he would actually have a hit put out on her or what, or maybe just because he's so powerful, he intimidated her so much. Uh, but she definitely didn't want to crack. But Nick starts to put the pieces together on his own. I mean, there's really only one person who could possibly be behind this, who would be paying you and who would have a motive to, con to to bring you into town to haunt Sharon. And that is Victor Newman, your father, your father, Nick. He did this to you. Can you believe it? Can you even, I mean, oh, it is horrible. It really is. Oh, gosh. Nick ends up forcing Cassie to come back to the tack house with him and calls Sharon over. I mean, Sharon walks in the door and after the whole shock treatment thing, she didn't really remember that she had been seeing Cassie. So now all of a sudden she's seeing Cassie and she's so shocked. I mean, uh, Nick is telling her, look, this is real. This is not a ghost. This never was a ghost. This is real. I mean, well, okay, for one thing, I can think of about a million better ways to break this news to Sharon than just having her walk in the room and Cass Cassie is there. Nick should have sat her down face to face and talked to her and told her what was about to happen to her, but that would have been way less dramatic. So instead, Sharon's just standing there like, in a trance, looking at Cassie. I mean, so confused, so many emotions. And Nick also calls Victor over. So Victor shows up, sees Nick, Sharon, and Cassie in the room together, and Nick just lays it all out on Victor. You did this. Not only did you pay this woman, but you showed this woman pictures of my dead daughter. You showed her how to wear her hair. Man, breaking it down into all of the details of what this deception would have taken. It is so bad. It is so unforgivable. Nick is just saying, you know, you did this to keep me away from Sharon, to ruin her and me. Look what you did to Sharon. There is just really no excuse. I can't think of a good excuse. I, I, I always try to defend Victor. But there is none. I mean, Victor tries to say, this woman's keeping a secret, and I was trying to get... I mean, his whole motive was finding out what Sharon's deep, dark secret is. And it is a pretty deep, dark secret, and it does need to come out, the paternity and Phyllis and all of that. But I... The Cassie thing, it's cruel. It's cruel. And at this point, I can't help thinking Victor probably did take a little bit of joy in it because he hates Sharon because of what Sharon's done to him. I mean, I think he, I think there had to have been an element of, yeah, whatever, screw her. Oh, it's just so totally unflattering. Oh, Sharon is just standing there staring at Cassie. Oh, Connor called into my voicemail and left a message and just like feeling it the way I was feeling it. He said, you know, Sharon was just in a trance. Did you see her eyes? I mean, it was almost like she couldn't speak, couldn't move. She's just staring at 
this woman, I mean, not only does she look like her daughter, but it's what, how, what age her daughter would have looked. It's almost like putting us into that parallel universe, like, oh my gosh, what if Cassie would have lived? I mean, here, Nick and Sharon are back together, and now there's Cassie. I love this! I asked for this, like, a year or two ago. I was like, just put us back together. Put us back together before Cassie's death. <laughs> and YNR is doing it. Thank you! Oh gosh, Sharon is gonna have such a long way to come to get over this. I mean, she's looking at Cassie, and knowing, like, she's starting to process what's happened, what Victor's done, and that this Cassie is bad, that this Cassie isn't blameless. This person participated in in, in her haunting as well, but Sharon just looks at her and says, how can I hate someone who has my daughter's face? Ah, oh, my heart breaking. It was so sad. Ugh, I mean, ugh. Nick wants uh, Sharon to press charges against her, but she just won't do it. She won't do it. Oh, man. I know that Cassie participated in this, or bad Cassie. I want to know what this person's name is, because they're surely not just going to keep calling her Cassie. So I want to know what the character's name is so that I can start calling her something else. And I know that, again, she's not blameless, but she, Victor should have known better. Uh, Victor, uh, this is going to take some time to get over. Uh, everyone in the family is going to hate him. Uh, uh, you think that they hated him? when he kept the secret about Adam killing Delia. I mean, they all said that they were not going to ever forgive him for that, and then they did, but this is pretty freaking bad. And he knows it, because, oh, Lord, he comes home back to the ranch. Ugh, and there is this flashback. You know I love a flashback, but specifically to this point in time. This is when I started watching YNR, and around the, within the first couple of years of when I first started watching YNR, Victor is standing in the home that he had built for Nick and Sharon on the ranch. The, when that home became constructed, Nick and Victor are inside of it. Nick is so excited like about all of the things he's going to do with this place, and Sharon's going to be so happy about it, and Victor's taking pride in knowing that he's building this house for his son. Victor is thinking back about the first place that he ever had, um, it was a one-bedroom apartment. The heater barely worked. And ah, I just, gosh, that was the pull for me. I, like, that was the story that made me fall in love with Victor. They were like, YNR always reinforced, this is a very powerful man, but he came from less than nothing. And that's what really drew me into the story. I, I mean, it's the American dream. That's, that is what made me start watching this show. And just seeing that flashback made me think, ugh. I remember when Victor was the hero, and that's why my heart was breaking. Victor was the hero when I started watching, and now he is the villain. <sighs> Gosh. Nick was so fresh-faced, too. Did you guys like that? He really reminded me of the current Noah. Just kind of bubbly and super stoked about everything, man. It was such a happy flashback, and now... Look where we are. Avery's cooking show, You've Been Served, gets the green light. So we're going to be seeing her on her cooking show soon, I'm sure. But you know there's going to be a downfall. And 
And this, the nudie-ish, the sexy tape of her, it wasn't exactly a sex tape, it was more of a sexy tape, uh, that's still out in the internet world, so that could come back to bite her, or Ian could have something to do with her downfall. Either way, you know it's going to end up humiliating for her. Ian... Oh, he is a sneaky, sneaky snake, isn't he? He He's, I think, concerned about his well-being. He goes as far as to uh, put Dylan into his will as an insurance policy. So Dylan is a major benefactor in his will. So if Dylan were to go a little crazy and decide to kill him, Dylan would look like the culprit. I mean, I don't know if that's foreshadowing. Maybe if uh, maybe Ian will end up dead and whether uh, whether it was Dylan that actually did it or not, Dylan could be the primary suspect. I mean, for crying out loud, Paul is kind of getting up in the situation and is concerned that Dylan could act rash, that he could be dangerous. I, I, I guess now that I think about it, Ian's probably going to die and there's going to be a question of who killed him. And there's going to be all kinds of potential people, Nikki, Summer, Dylan, and who knows, the maid will probably have done it ultimately. But I mean, Paul is going around telling Dylan to stay away from Ian, don't trash his room, don't do anything. And Paul planted the seed, even in Avery's mind, that Dylan might have been the one to trash the room. And I don't know if Dylan was the one to trash the room. The fact that he's standing around at Crimson Nights wielding a knife, cutting up lemons, doesn't help. Neil is clearly still bitter about everything that happened with Leslie. He runs into her at the club this week, and it's so nasty. Neil offers to throw her a wedding reception. Ouch. <laughs> that burns. He even said something like, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of hard to keep up with your ideas about weddings and marriage. I mean, she did dog him. She did dog him, but oh boy. <laughs> um, the best, honestly, probably part of this whole storyline for the week was um, Hillary and Leslie Talk, going at it pretty much. Hillary sits down with Leslie, gives her a piece of her mind, and doesn't pull any punches at all. But, you know, I also really like seeing Leslie claw right back and remind Hillary, I'm not the only one that hurt Neil. Remember that whole, Frank, you know, publishing his diary thing, trying to ruin his life thing? Yeah, you did that too. So I kind of enjoyed them going back and forth at it, like Leslie versus Hillary. It's kind of great. I mean, Hillary lashes at Leslie and says, like, stay away from Neil. And Leslie lashes right back out at her and is like, right back at you, sister. <laughs> right back at ya. It got, it got good. It got real. <laughs> I did enjoy that. Um, now, uh, what I don't enjoy is Neil and Hillary. I, I'm having, I'm struggling. I'm struggling with this, you guys. Um, Neil is like thinking about Hillary, thinking about the kiss. We're seeing flashbacks of their kiss and I can't even rewatch it. I honestly turn my head away. 
when it came time to rewatch their kiss. It's just painful. And even more painful to see Neil kind of chasing Hillary around now, trying to convince her that it wasn't just a fluke. She's trying to deny it. She doesn't want to get involved with her boss. And he's trying to tell her, no, no, you felt a spark. <laughs> you totally felt a spark, you know? Oh, I didn't feel the spark. Hillary and Devon, on the other hand, I think that's a much better pair, a much more appropriate pair. I don't know why Neil got brought into this mix in the first place. Can't we find someone, like, a more appropriate match for him? I just, ugh, I'm, ugh, Devon, ugh is realizing that Hillary is the girl for him, just as Hillary is giving in to Neil's advances and they're upstairs at the athletic club ripping each other's clothes off. I just want to quickly say I enjoyed seeing Michael and Lauren and Paul and Christine having dinner together or maybe it was brunch. I can't remember. I think it was dinner. But it was nice to see those two couples interacting as friends. I like them. They're mature, older couples. They are intelligent. They're funny. I like seeing the banter all back and forth. Um, Christine is getting ready to congratulate Lauren for being pregnant and Lauren has to tell her, no, I'm not actually pregnant, and we're kind of sad about it. And Christine, it's weird. She actually started coming around thinking she might be interested in having kids. So she's telling Paul, you know, I've just, I, I'm, you know, I've had my career, and I'm starting to wonder if I've missed out on having kids. So even if we don't see Michael and Lauren having a baby soon, is it possible that Paul and Chris are going to be? I got an awesome new voicemail from Cheryl this week. I love hearing people call into my voicemail for the first time. Um, it's just such a pleasure to me. I think I enjoy listening to podcasts and watching video, and so actually hearing your voices, feedback about the show, are, it's so just such a joy for me. And Cheryl was telling me about the um, stage manager that we saw a couple of uh, weeks ago at behind the scenes at the fashion show that was kind of snip-snapping on everybody was um, Opal, a character from called Opal from All My Children. I think it's so interesting. There are a lot of crossovers right now. I mean, there was some sort of talk about maybe Susan Lucci coming to YNR just over this past couple weeks, or there was some kind of something about Susan Lucci. I don't know if they're trying to lure her away. I think she's an All My Children vet. Um, I want to say, I hope I'm not wrong. Gosh, those are the two I always get mixed up. All My Children, and As the World Turns, I get those mixed up. I think uh, the new Kelly, Katie McLean, I believe she was on both All My Children and As the World Turns, unless I'm getting those all mixed up again, too. But I tell you, I'm feeling her this week. I'm definitely getting a sense of who she is. It's clear that she is a seasoned professional actress. She is bringing it to the table. I do like her. Um, and there was a lot. It, it is just a total revamp of the character, but I'm completely accepting it. Jack uh, and Kelly are interacting more this week. There's a, some 
some some push and pull a little bit, trying to deny at the beginning of the week that they were into each other. And by the end of the week, they're totally into it. Um, Jack starts out by telling her, maybe it's best if we go our separate ways, which is pretty much picking up where she left off last week. But I think... Maybe being told no made them both want it more. (laughs) Um, After he tells her they should probably just be friends, she ends up kind of coming to him, sitting down at his dinner table and deciding, you know what, let's have this date that we've been trying to have and have been talking about. And they end up having a perfectly lovely meal. They decide to go catch a show in the park. Um, it's it's hard not to compare old Kelly. Um, I just, I, can you see old Kelly going to the symphony? I, I just can't. I mean, this Kelly is so much more refined. I mean, this Kelly knows Italian and she appreciates classical music, but old, old movies too. And they happen to be the same old movies that Jack loves. She's just... There is something in her eyes that feels like a much better pair for Jack. I mean, you know he's Mr. Sentimental, Mr. Romantic, and I kind of wonder if she's sort of that too, just sentimental about certain things. I I think that they've, obviously they've just, the the character's revamped. We need to just forget about old Kelly, um, because I think this is going to be good. I do. I'm for it. And I'm having to let it go. I have no choice. So I'm moving forward with Jack and Kelly enjoying it. They're at the park together, um, talking, bantering, and they end up kissing. (laughs) And it's, you know, clear. It's like um, Kelly goes off and talks to Lily afterwards. She's having this internal struggle because it's complicated because she had the affair with Billy, but she's finding herself really compelled by Jack. Jack is worried about the fact that he is cheating on Phyllis. And in fact, when Jack and Kelly shared their kiss in the park, Summer sees it and she feels very offended. She thinks it's kind of crushing her ideas of what relationships uh, and romance are. She thought that her mom and Jack were destined to be together and they have this great romance story. And I guess that just doesn't work out is her perspective. Um, But at the same time, Kelly's having this conversation with uh, Lily. Jack is talking to Jill and she's encouraging him to just move on. You know, you need to be happy. Life is short. And I think Jack has known that deep down for a long time that he, he really, as much as he loves Phyllis, she wouldn't want him to put his life on hold. So he's trying to move on. I, I'm assuming that Summer is going to become a problem for those two, which I think is kind of in, would be interesting to view. But at the same time, how can you deny Jack someone that makes him happy when he hasn't been this happy in so long? And how can you deny someone who makes him bust out his very best Jimmy Stewart impression? Jill and Colin have a lunch date with Lily and Kane and the kids, and Lily begrudgingly introduces the kids as 
Kane's father uh, introduces the kids to their grandfather for the very first time, and they have questions. And of course, Colin is super charming with them. I mean, how could they not love him? He's kind of a big kid, so it all went over really well. Except for the fact that Lily and Kane, I'm sure, but especially Lily, is very apprehensive about allowing Colin into their lives, and I can understand why. He did try to kidnap those kids and take them to Australia. So I hope that he never tries to do something like that again. Beware, because YNR loves to kidnap kids. <laughs> um, they also love to kill kids, too. So I'm just saying, Charlie and Maddie, watch out. <laughs> um, other than that, it was a perfectly civil uh, little meeting, family meeting. Um, Kane mentions the job offer that Victor gave him uh, with with uh, to become the CEO of Chancellor Industries and Kane reveals that he wants to take it so that he can know who it is who set him up with this whole bond adventure thing and just as he's saying that Colin is like looking side to side <laughs> shadily he kind of has become the master of just sort of like looking you know looking kind of skeevy <laughs> Uh, um, Colin, he's just shady. He's just as shady. He's, he's, he's off. He takes a break from the family moment to go outside and make some shady phone calls. And then he has some shady meeting with some shady guy in the park. And he's meeting with this guy. He's pretty much revealing that he originally had intentions of hooking up with Jill to get his hands on the fortune. Um, and he found love instead. But it kind of... The sense I'm getting for it from it is that Colin is in debt and looking for a way to repay that debt, be it with Jill's music box uh, hunt or be it with a diamond heist or be it with whatever, however he's connected to Bonaventure. He's trying to make some quick cash. And as he's in the park having this meeting with this other guy, this other cohort, I guess, who he owes money to or he owes money to his people, um, Jill, or sorry, Colin ends up butt dialing Jill. Like he's sitting there and he's, his butt accidentally dials Jill's phone number. So she's on the other end and she pretty much hears everything and she's heartbroken and angry and it doesn't help that Colin said he was going off to a meeting with his banker to set up some trust funds for the kids which is a relationship that Jill vouched for. Jill got him in the door with Lillian Kane and now not only is he betraying them he's betraying her and he's not telling her the whole truth and she found out about it. She's keeping it a little bit under her hat. She tells Colin, oh, you know, let's get a room upstairs um, and, you know, we'll have a real great night together. And you just know she's going to let him have it. I mean, she's Jill's probably going to handcuff him to the bed. Okay, everybody, I think that'll do it for me for this week. I hope that you enjoyed this week and are spending time in our fair city, our fair Genoa city. Uh, you, I'm going to put a, um, a screen cap of that uh, that shot of Genoa city up on my website at yrchat.com. You can see the buildings in the background and the, the park in the foreground with even like a little sculpture in the front. So all of the elements were there. I'll put a screen cap of it at y 
rchat.com if you want to go there, check it out. You can also go there, leave me a comment, leave me a voicemail. You can call my voicemail at area code 309-588-4569 and let me know everything you're feeling about this crazy week. Um, and I'm going to be back next week to chat again about our favorite show. Okay, you guys, I love ya. Bye.